When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello there and welcome to Thank the Maker, a podcast about heroes, princesses, scoundrels, hokey religions, ancient weapons, and all things Star Wars. I'm your host, Adam Russell. I am also one of your hosts, Ryan Key. And the third best host there is on this show. I'm Nick. <laughs> Thanks for listening. You're always in the top three, though, dude. I'm consistent. Top three. Every week. Yeah. <laughs> it's something to be proud of, I think. So last cool. week, I was, I was two. <laughs> you were. I was the second best host you last were. week. <laughs> so cool. Moving up, baby steps. <laughs> so pro. We're also joined by a super special guest, the nicest person to be such a last-minute guest. We appreciate it so much. James Arnold Taylor. Most famously, as you Star Wars Clone Wars fans would know, as the voice of Obi-Wan Kenobi and Master Plo Kloon. Welcome. Hello there. <laughs> yes. Yes, you did. Yeah, I did. You got to. Yeah. Because everybody expects it now. It's weird. Over the last little bit of time, it's become such a thing. I don't know. I yeah. don't know why. Thank but... the internet and memes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but so, yeah. So everywhere I go. No. Hello there. Hello there. Hello there. Well, I hope you're not tired of it. <laughs> no, not at all. You know, I, as a Star Wars fan, I'm I'm blessed to be a part of this world for uh, coming up on 20 years now. So That's great. I am thrilled anytime anybody asks me to do anything, but uh, anything Star Wars is, is very exciting to me. Good to hear. So, yeah, I love it. And I love being on here, and uh, I am thrilled to be with all of you. So Thank you. Thank you. You just fire away whatever you need for me whatever you need from old obi one <laughs> you just let me know you know to play the hits you know which is <laughs> which is great it's so refreshing because you know we all know how actors can be especially face actors oh, uh, yes. so, so we as musicians can understand how some people like i actually i was listening to an interview with you today that you talked about frank oz being the kind of dude that never does voices like sorry yeah. not doing it <laughs> i can relate to that Having gone through those jaded times as a musician, like, dude, I don't want to play the hit. I'm sorry. I want to play the song yeah. that I like, you know? Yeah, exactly right. Uh, but with voice acting, I don't know. We're all such nerds about it that, and nobody generally knows who we are, you know? So people don't recognize me on the street unless I'm at a Comic-Con. And so I think it's it's always kind of educational to people, you know? Mm -hmm. Like if I go into a store and, you know... And, they're talking, and you, you're just talking about things. And see, I have James Taylor as my name, and so then everybody, oh, James Taylor, okay, you know, <laughs> yeah. make the fire and rain jokes. And so then I have to say, well, I'm the other James Taylor, and James Arnold Taylor. And then, then I tell them what I do, and then they're all thrilled. And then they do the voice, do the voice. And so you go, okay, I'll do the voice. <laughs> so, you know, my wife even says, do the voice, do Obi-Wan. You know, she would prefer <laughs> me to actually speak like this all the time, I think, yes. <laughs> That's amazing that your wife, I mean, my wife, now I put on my own band and she's like, oh God, do you have headphones? Can you just, you know? <laughs> yeah, I know what my, my girlfriend listens to and it's nothing like my band. So. <laughs> oh, man. 
But so now music is such a big part of all of your lives. How does Star Wars work in, and how do you all come together to make a Star Wars podcast then? And t- tell me that. Star Wars came first. I know that much. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. in my brain before I had memories. That's, that's always my line when it comes to Star Wars. Huh. We're pretty much uh, the same exact age, the three of us. Yeah. Born in late 79 or early 80. And so we grew up with it. Yeah. Our bands come from a, a very similar space as far as the genre and the kind of scene if you want to use that word. Mm-hmm. The Venn diagrams of our scenes. <laughs> yeah, scenes. so yeah. We, we came up, uh, sort of the success of our bands began around the same time. We, we have a lot of mutual friends and met each other on the road and touring and playing all these different shows. And the podcast, long story short, was was Adam and I uh, really bonded over Star Wars, like through through doing some shows together, knowing each other from being in bands for, for so long. That was sort of how we connected. Mm-hmm. Coolest thing about that is we, we had this sort of like bit of a rivalry early on. <laughs> and we never really became friends, uh-huh. but we got over that as we grew older. We were young and dumb. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and then it was Star Wars specifically that brought us together as friends. So it's been wow. a unifying yeah. kind of family kind of thing. You know, Ashley's always talking about Star Wars is about family with you folks, especially the voice actors. Yeah. It was like that for us as musicians. It brought us together. So we had this idea to, to start the podcast and didn't really know what to expect out of it. And um, Adam and I happened to both be in Los Angeles at the same time. Uh, We were going to Galaxy's Edge and going to, you know, do a bunch of content for the podcast and stuff. And I knew Nick, uh, kind of the same story. We had toured together, but we weren't, we didn't have a rivalry, no, no beef (laughs) per se, but we weren't, we weren't super close friends. We had just known each other kind of from a few tours we'd done together. You know, it was a hello in the dressing room kind of, kind of relationships. So, but I, I knew that Nick just through friends was a massive, massive star wars encyclopedia of a oh. fan and so we wanted we, we went to nick's house to do a, a guest episode with him and as soon as we got in the car to leave his house we both adam and i kind of turned to each other with this the, the force was strong with this feeling <laughs> of he should be on this show with us it's a third sort of dynamic that we don't have and that was such a great hang and interview and so here we are now the triumvirate and that's, that, that's how it all came to be he's the sam witwer of the group though the <laughs> sam witwer of the group in that he knows everything there is to know sam is like that for all of us which is annoying because he's darth maul <laughs> and, and then he's you know the hunky good-looking guy too which is annoying to me but always wearing like a leather jacket yeah, right? always you know uh, but no and knows everything there is to know you know i mean famously corrected Dave Filoni in a session, once, yeah, yeah. which was nice. So, um, but, uh, but yeah, no, it's great to have that thing, you know, and so I'm 10 years your senior. So I was born in 1969 and, um, Star Wars, you know, a new hope came out when I was seven. I saw it in a drive-in theater and it changed my life. And it was no longer playing, you know, cops and robbers or mm-hmm. any of that stuff. Mm-hmm. It was, you played Star Wars and right. I was always Han Solo. I never would have imagined I would be, uh, Obi-Wan. Can old Ben Kenobi. Yeah, right. And now as I get older, I really am old Ben Kenobi. But no, uh, the beard grows out into a white. <laughs> the beard matures. Yes. Hello there. Come here, my little friend. Yeah, it's more that instead of come here, my little friend. Yes. Yeah, so. But uh, it's, it is a fascinating world because I know so many people that can do different walks of life and they love Star Wars and boom, instant friendship. So I think yeah. it's beautiful. 
cool. So, is there anything you would say uh, if that's like your first Star Wars memories? Actually, seeing the, the the film, is there anything you could say that you take from your version, which is a Clone Wars version, more like you and McGregory? Is there anything that you learned or took from Alec Guinness's uh, portrayal of Obi Wan? Absolutely, yeah, and I study it more and more. And I've been fortunate enough to do both of their uh, voices in a lot of different things. Mm-hmm. And, you know, old Ben and and uh, young Obi-Wan. And I just, I notice how much he put into it, not realizing what we all would know now mm-hmm. of the story. You know, when when yep. Luke says, claims to be the property of old uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi, you know, and, and, all that, and, you, and the camera's on Alec Guinness, and he's doing those looks, and he's looking, and he's thinking. And, you know, so many people have cut some wonderful videos together of, like, flashbacks during that and stuff, too. (laughs) But as the actor that has got to portray him actually more than any other actor, which is weird, and I I say that a lot in interviews, and it's never to be like, you know, I've performed everyone more than anyone. (laughs) It's it's to honestly, because I'm so humbled and amazed by it, that for these last, like I say, 19 plus years now, that I've been able to portray him and television and film and games and toys and things, uh, you have to take in all aspects of the character. And it was when we were recording Clone Wars, it was always really important to me to not watch. One of my favorite movies is Sith, Revenge of the Sith. And I wouldn't watch it much because that wasn't my Obi-Wan yet. See, Obi-Wan hadn't gone there yet. Right. Mm-hmm. So I had to stay in, you know, Eps 1 and 2 as far as uh, uh, Clone Wars Obi-Wan was concerned. And so you you take that, but then you have to take on that because Ewan McGregor watched so much Alec Guinness and studied yeah. his old films and stuff too, not just Star Wars. But I remember I was I was so taken when I first saw The Phantom Menace and he says... I have a bad feeling about this. It's not about the mission master, something else, more elusive. And he, he's saying that, and I thought, oh, he's, he's pulling in all the old Alec Guinness, you know. I mean, he yeah. had him young. Yeah. So when I came in, I'm doing Ewan McGregor doing Alec Guinness doing Obi-Wan Kenobi. So, <laughs> it's a weird little world, but it... Inception. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So that's that's how it kind of formulates in my head is I kind of think what would they each... How would they take those lines? How would they say that? And then it just becomes about Obi-Wan himself as a character. And that's really kind of, I think, probably the most important part of it is uh, letting... As a voice actor, you have to do that. You have to let the character be the character. And that's the beauty of it. Tom Kenny, who is the voice of SpongeBob SquarePants, he always says it uh, the best way. He says if they hire Brad Pitt to be the voice of a bear then that bear better sound like Brad Pitt. (laughs) If they hire a voice actor to be the voice of that bear, it better sound like a bear. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So (laughs) that's kind of our job. And so when I go to do Obi-Wan now, it really is an amalgamation of all these uh, different variations of him. But hopefully you're just thinking of Mm Obi-Wan. It's so interesting to me to think about, because I've done, you know, doing this podcast and having to re-record things here and there, and match my tone and the vibe at the time. <laughs> yeah. Or I made a documentary years ago um, with another guy from my band, and I had to do ADR for myself. There was a you know one interview where the mic completely went out. So yeah, I've been through a little bit of that, mm-hmm. and it's so interesting to think about. Number one, I'm like doing an impression of myself, right? Like in yeah. some of those moments, <laughs> and that's hard enough. And I'm yeah. thinking about how you kind of balance that being an actor and also being an impressionist kind of thing. And I know you've, I've seen in interviews, you talked about wanting to be a voice actor from 
early, early childhood. Yeah. So yeah. did you come to acting from wanting to get into voices and impressions or vice versa or kind of a, a balance right out of the gate? Yeah, it was always about voices. Um, I loved acting and I always, and as a kid even, I acted in plays and things, but I knew I always wanted to do more of the theater of the mind, the telling of stories through my voice, because being the shortest kid in my class every single year and, you know, looking tiny and all of that, but having the ability to do bigger voices, like nobody would ever guess that I'm the voice of Fred Flintstone if they were looking at me. Yeah, but damn do that's me. <laughs> or the voice of Fox that says, The Simpsons coming up next on Fox, you know, Bob's Burgers, Family Guy. That big voice uh, coming out of a little guy, I knew that that was going to go work against me if I was an on-camera actor because... I'm I'm a character actor. I, I like doing characters. So voiceover was a, the natural place for me. But I always also did a lot of impressions. And now I do, more so than impressions, I do voice doubling. So if a celebrity isn't able to do their voice, I sit in for them. And hopefully nobody knows the difference. Wild. So if if uh, Jay Baruchel is doing How to Train Your Dragon and uh, <laughs> they need him, but he's not available. I come in and toothless. Oh, okay, let's go. You know, or, or Christopher Mintz Place to do fish legs. And oh, that was pretty cool how you contain that gronkle. You know, I will come in and do their voices. Wild. I will, I will do uh, Johnny Depp, you know, depending on whatever his voice he's doing at the time. <laughs> if it's Captain Jack Sparrow or Willy Wonka or whatever it is, Christopher Walken, I've done his voice <laughs> yes. a couple things before. You know, it's crazy the way he speaks, and it's fun. <laughs> wow. Uh, but um, I just want you to do the whole Pulp Fiction monologue <laughs> right now. <laughs> this lightsaber I got here was your father's. <laughs> he gave it to me. I had to wear this uncomfortable lightsaber in my R2 unit for five long years. <laughs> Is. <laughs> no, I, I clean it up for the Star Wars audience. It's actually a, a portion. Great. I have a stage show that I do that I did for years at Star Wars weekends and celebration called Talking to Myself, and I do a bunch of voices in it. And I have a segment in there that's an animated Christopher Walken dressed as Obi Wan. And I pose the question, <laughs> what if Walken was Obi Wan? And I do that whole scene <laughs> from Pulp Fiction great. with the lightsaber instead. Yeah, so, yeah, so it's <laughs> so good. Fun stuff. But I think yeah. I only re- recently heard that voice doubling was a thing. And and then yeah. two seconds later, I was like, you idiot, of course it is. <laughs> yeah, I feel like a complete, I learned this literally today, and I was like, how did I not know? Well, I'm glad you didn't know, because, you know, <laughs> yeah, the, the thing is, is it's a little secret. It's kind of like totally. voice or body doubling, you know, and a lot of my friends are stunt doubles, and so stunt doubles are a lot of famous people, and... I'm always like, okay, so if you're the double for them and I'm the voice double for them, they're not even there and it's us being them. That's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. You know, but um, yeah, it's one of those little secrets where sometimes uh, they get bad sound on the set and like you were talking about ADR um, and they just need clarity and, you know, it's like a couple of lines and so it's just not worth the the time and the cost to bring in, you know, a Johnny Depp or, or David Spade or Christopher Walken or whoever it is. And they'll have me come in and do David Spade's voice then instead, you know, and it's easier. So there you go. And you are, yeah, so you just, you know, it's it's a fun little thing. And, and I get to hear myself in movies from time to time and go, oh, that was me. Nobody knew it, you know. Cool. Very cool. So that being said, I hope to hear and not recognize your voice in the upcoming Kenobi series. 
<laughs> Me too. I would love that. You know, I don't know if there's any chance of that happening, but I would love to be able to put some voices in there. I was fortunate enough. I'm in all five of the last uh, Star Wars films, and uh, it was really a, a wonderful, wonderful experience to get to do that. So I got to be troopers and good guys and bad guys and aliens and things. So in in all five of those films, so it's a lot of fun. It's great. You've done Ewan McGregor's. You've done voice doubling for him outside of Star Wars in other stuff, right? Yeah, yeah. for uh, things like Robots, um, where he, he was doing an American voice in that. And that's where I first really kind of realized, oh, we have very similar voices. You know, and of course, he's he's Scottish, you know, so uh, he's not British, He's but he's talking as Obi-Wan. He's speaking with a British accent. and But when he does an American voice... He puts his voice up into the front of his mouth. So I study like where, you know, and you guys appreciate this as, as musicians too, like the placement of the sound of it all. And so when he's trying to cover up his accent, he'll place his tongue in a different spot and he'll, he'll uh, you know, have his mouth in different positions to be able to speak in this kind of, you know, lazy American way that we do. So in robots, yeah, it's, his voice is pretty similar to mine. He's just doing this kind of a thing, and it, and, but he's placing his voice up in here so you can kind of hear it. It's funny. I've actually done a lot like James McAvoy, um, Daniel Radcliffe, uh, Ewan McGregor, a, a couple others um, where uh, I have to do their voices doing a Christian Bale, doing American accents. Yeah. So <laughs> I don't know why I've, I've had a good, a good bit of luck doing that. It's funny. I know exactly what you're saying. Whenever I, I did a lot of theater as a kid growing up, went to university for it. And yeah. long story that I've told on the show before, but I, I quit basically just to make my parents angry and went and played <laughs> in, a, in a rock band instead. Yeah. But I, I know exactly what you mean when doing accents. Like if, if I try to do a Scottish accent, I, I'm always like way deeper. My voice gets like way low like this. Yeah. And I don't know why, but I can't do it in my real voice. Like, yeah. It's, and it, I didn't ever thought about like it's your tongue placement and all that affects your, you know, your vocal cords and how they're speaking and stuff. So, um, but anytime I'm joking around with an accent, it's never in my real voice and I don't it's not because I don't want it to be it's like not possible I can't seem to do it yeah that's so funny it's a great note when I do so I do um, in Guardians of the Galaxy I'm I do Yondu which is uh, Michael Rooker yeah. on camera <laughs> but then in the in the cartoons it's me doing him and uh, and then I do Cosmo who is the Russian telepathic cosmonaut dog and yeah. Cosmo talks like this he sounds a bit like Boris from Rocky and Bullwinkle <laughs> but whenever I'm doing Russian accent. I always seem to go down into this part. <laughs> yes. And so then the trick is, and I will challenge myself sometimes. So you start challenging yourself. Can I get to my voice in that accent? Yeah. Because that's where you find new characters too. And you might add a little haze into it or, or some texture or tone, or you bring it up even higher and see if you can go into a voice there. You know, can I do, you know, it's, it's harder. Can, can, can I do a Russian accent? Bring it up into here. And then I bring it up into here even higher and I do the voice like that. <laughs> so you just challenge yourself and your, your vocal cords to find those placements. But you're exactly right. That's, that's really great that you discovered that. I've also... I've always been so into voices. Yeah. I always did kind of just half-ass impressions as a kid. It was never really good, but I've always been so intrigued by how people do voices. And I discovered a few years ago that um, there's a voice or an accent coach who has a, a series that ended up being picked up by Wired or something like that uh -huh. on YouTube. And the way he talks about the placement of the tongue and things like you're saying yeah. was complete news to me, blew my mind as well. <laughs> so it, it made me think in that same kind of vein of 
where you come to the voice from in terms of acting and balancing. Did you, as a kid, sort of discover that stuff or did you just kind of feel out voices and then later in life reverse engineer what you were doing to then mm. heighten your skill? If that that's makes a sense. great question. Yeah, that's a great question. I think I always um, was watching people. I'm, I'm a bit of a people pleaser, you know, it's my nature growing up in kind of a weird uh, childhood and a, a kind of a rough environment. I, I would try to be kind of a chameleon and adapt to whatever. And so I think it was by adapting to what I saw and then later realizing that I was doing it. So I was doing it, you know, I would change the placement of my mouth or, or my, my tongue placement or, you know, nasally or what have you. And then later when I was really, you know, getting, getting paid to do it is when I thought, oh yeah, I'm actually doing that. Uh, so it was kind of a combination. It, it, uh, again, I'm very blessed to be able to just kind of have this ability when I hear stuff, I could mimic it back. I, I, it's like, I always envisioned it and you guys will appreciate this as a musician. I always envisioned it as a, as a tape recorder in my head, you know, an old Tascam, you know, multi-track yeah. or something. <laughs> and I, machine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The old dat machines and, you know, ADAT and all that. And, uh, I had a VS 880 when I was, I don't know if you guys know that there was a Roland VS 880 and yeah, yeah. I would record, uh, friends albums and stuff on that. But I always pictured it like that with those big, you know, record stop play rewind buttons in my head and I would hear the voices and then it's like rewind it okay go and then I find myself I'll picture the person so if I'm doing great Scott if I'm doing Christopher Lloyd I'll picture him in my head and then and then Marty it'll, it'll just come out you know and or, or Michael J. Fox you know I'll, I'll picture I'll picture what he's doing you know and I, I like like his, his the placement of his of his mouth and in his hands and you know whoa Mallory whoa wait a second you know so you have to kind of become the person and so it naturally happens uh, where you start placing uh, your your voice where it goes that leads me to this other thought I, I really went right down the rabbit hole today thinking about this <laughs> stuff and we talked about this a little bit on the podcast before, because we watched the behind the scenes, the uh, second season of Disney gallery with the Mandalorian mm -hmm. seeing John Leguizamo and Pedro Pascal sitting side by side boomed just like they're on set. Right. Doing those, those takes there. Is it ever like that in voiceover for animation or are you in a more traditional booth setting? Are you ever with other actors? What's it like acting against actors versus just being alone in the booth? Yeah. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, no, it's gr another great question. It's, it has always traditionally been like when we did Clone Wars and you can see those if you look up, you know, voices of Clone Wars or whatever in YouTube, you can see the behind the scenes. We're usually in like a half circle in a big studio, all of us with mics in front of us and um, music stands with for our scripts, because with voiceover, you always get the script pretty much right then. Uh, and with Clone Wars, especially because of the secrecy of it, we would get the scripts pretty much day of. Wow. And so when you're hearing the dialogue from Clone Wars, that's usually either the first, second, or third time we ever spoke those lines. Wow. Insane. Yeah. It's like sight reading. Yeah, you really have to be, yeah. It, voice actors are like studio musicians. They come in and you you are, you're sight reading pretty much everything. So um, like the Rico Hardeen episode of, uh, of Clone Wars, or there's a couple episodes of it, but that day I remember coming in and, it was tons of dialogue, you know, and Reiko, Obi-Wan, you know, gets, spoiler alert, Obi-Wan gets killed at the beginning of it by this sniper, Reiko Hardeen, and then he takes over Hardeen's, you know, uh, body and such, which was great. They shaved his head and his beard and everything. And um, 
There's also a fun little side story in that where George Lucas did not want me to do the voice of Rako Hardeen. Hmm. He said, I want somebody different. I want it to sound very different. But Dave Filoni uh, and Kerry Silver, our producer, and uh, Dave, our director, knew that I could do other voices. And so they said, we'll just have James do it and we'll see. So <laughs> they had me come up with a voice, but it was tons and tons of dialogue. Uh, and then they played it for him later, by the way. And he, he was like, yeah, that voice is great. Who's that? And they're like, that's James. You know, but anyway, <laughs> gotcha. so, um, but, uh, so we record all that together. And you are just, like I say, like a studio musician. You're just kind of going with it. And when you do a film now, I'm finding more feature films are miking us and video games especially you got a lav on you and you've got a boom above you and they're miking it like they would a show because they want that reality now but traditionally um in most animated shows you're gonna have like i have here you know the gefell in front of me and just in a booth and you're you're doing it and you're usually with everybody else when you do a feature film you're alone most of the time when you do a video game you're uh, generally 99% of the time alone. Although they're changing it a little here and there now because they're trying to make it more cinematic. But uh, animated shows, you're together because they really want you to be able to play off each other. You know, Matt Lanter, who's the voice of Anakin Skywalker, who is just a fantastic actor uh, on camera and voice. And he's a very talented voice actor. He doesn't get enough credit as a voice actor, actually, I think. But um, he and I were always, you know, near each other or next to each other so we could have that obi-wan anakin vibe going on and and uh, we really are like brothers in real life too so it was important that we had that but when you're doing a video game or you're doing um you know you're usually reading in a video game you're reading like off an excel sheet of just lines just (laughs) hundreds and hundreds of lines you know because if you turn left this happens if you turn right that happens you go straight this happens so sometimes it can take some of the magic out of it but uh, if you have a good director, and generally speaking, there's some great directors for video games that will give you the context, like like in an animated session where, you know, well, the other actor says this, and they'll read you in, as we say, and read you the line so you can react to it. But most voice actors have to really be able to play all parts in their head. You have to kind of just know, and you have to have three different versions in your head on the ready, too. I always say that. You know, they call it an A, B, and a C take. So you give an A, a B, a C. And it's this line, hey, let's go over there. Hey, let's go over there. Hey, let's go over there. You know, you've got all these ways of saying it, and you have to have those playing in your head in that little recorder ready to go uh, and be ready for whatever the director asks you. And so voiceover is really unique in that. Uh, but I again, I love that you guys are musicians because you get it. It's it's like it's like a studio musician. You just have to be ready. Yeah, it's crazy. And when you you talk about having those three on deck, yeah, you know, then when you're D. Bradley Baker, you have to have that multiplied by <laughs> however many dozens of people that do plays in every session. Well, you have to be a bit of uh, uh, not a bit of you have to be quite a talented improv uh, artist as a voice actor. Hearing you describe it this way i mean your skills that you learned through theater and improv coming up i imagine are you know used tenfold in this because yeah even though you have a script more than being on set i think if the director is like let's try it again and maybe do it this way mm-hmm. you're under that crunch of like we just got this today we have to shoot it today we have, you know so you're just like all right i'll try these five different ways and <laughs> One of them will stick, but um, that's exactly it. Yeah, you really do have to have it 
in your pocket and ready to go. And you have, you can have no inhibitions as a voice actor. You know, I mean, that's the beauty of like D where he'll go and pinch his nose and pull <laughs> things up and, you know, make faces. And I make faces to get to voices all the time. And I use my hands in different ways. You know, if I do the, the Fox voice, I have to put my hand over my ear like Gary Owens did, you know, back in the day or Fred Flintstone. I talk out of the side of my mouth, you know, Johnny Test. I, you know, I get really goofy faces and I'm doing all this. <laughs> You know, because I'm, I'm an 11 year old kid, or if I'm doing an old voice, you know, something like Lieutenant Beck in Rise of the Resistance on a Galaxy's Edge, I don't know if you all knew that that was me. That was you? Oh, that was me. <laughs> wow. <laughs> you have to become that character, and then you have to think, how would that character read it, not how would I read it? So, yeah, it's, it's fun. Cool. So you're you're also uh, a podcaster. You have a I podcast am. called Talking to Myself. I uh, do. One thing I've no- noticed in a couple episodes, you speak a lot about mindfulness. I guess when did you get into that practice? Has it always been yeah. a part of your life? No, it hasn't always been a part of my life uh, that I you know was really trying to achieve. Um, I think it was something I always kind of felt, you know, kind of like what we were talking about with the other with the voices, um, but. Now that I really kind of know and realize what it is, I think I always kind of hinted around at it myself, yeah. thinking like, just be calm, James. You know, like mm-hmm. if you're under extreme s- circumstances, just think about, you know, how your feet feel on the ground or take your shoes off and, you know, like the old Die Hard, scrunch your toes on the carpet. <laughs> just with your toes. Yeah. <laughs> but then I, I really became aware of that as, as an important part of life. And I really do talk about it a lot on this show because I think it's so important. There's so many people, especially young people, that are just trying to cope with things. Mm-hmm. And being able to stop and go, I'm in a room. It's the heater's on. I feel the heat. It's nice. Okay, I got that. My skin feels cool right now when I touch this, you know, counter or, you know, whatever it is. It pulls you out of the stress. It pulls you out of the overthinking or the Mm -hmm. circular thinking or whatever it is. It's such a great thing. And then it reminds you to breathe and then deep breathing. So important. Water, so important. Mm -hmm. Hydrating the body and just being mindful and meditative about who and what you are and what you're experiencing in the moment is going to pull you out of any of those anxious uh, things or uh, panicky things too, which I think a lot of people deal with. And yeah. I, Especially these days. Yeah. And that saddens me. So that's why I always try to give tools for people. And the dog is being mindful as well. <laughs> so yeah, mindfulness is very uh, important to me and uh, meditation. And, and, you know, I'm, I'm a Christian. I'm, my faith is very important to me and just being, you know, in the moment, but also knowing that I'm not in control of things. And mm-hmm. so I just give it up. Yeah, you touched on uh, something that, because I've only, I feel like I've kind of like skirted around mindfulness in my whole life. I'm a very calm person to begin with. Mm -hmm. And I think that I came to a lot of like the tenets of of mindfulness, but only recently, I feel like it was always raw. Only recently did I get into like someone like Sam Harris or something that kind of helped me focus. And it's been newer for me to practice it, but I do feel like I've been in that ballpark for oh, a cool. lot of my life. Yeah, it's very cool. Yeah, Joe Dispenza, I don't know if you know Joe Dispenza, he's mm-hmm. uh, uh, written some really great stuff on that as well and, and helps with uh, meditation and mindfulness. But mm-hmm. I really encourage people to uh, kind of discover that because it it's also just going to take you farther in whatever it is you're doing, you know, whether it's music or entertainment or, yeah. or not. If you're not um, somebody that's into the arts even, it's just going to help you 
you know, find that center. And that's really important. Yeah. I think it's uh, really cool as you speak a lot about being a person of faith yeah. that you promote this as much as you do because I think a lot of people may not understand kind of the different concept of like your your faith, whatever it may be, mm-hmm. is kind of designed for your soul and mindfulness and meditation is designed for your mind. Yeah. And they're not necessarily the same. You know, you, you, they kind of can be separated from each other. I think that it intimidates some people sometimes. So to have someone like you that's a role model to so many people stand up and say, no, no, you can do both things. It's really cool. Yeah. And I'll have people ask me, you know, because I think they'll think of, you think of mindfulness or meditation as not a uh, Christian practice. And, you know, that's just not accurate. You know, the Bible talks about being meditative and being mindful all the time too. So you, you can certainly find that within whatever it is that somebody believes. And that's the other thing I love talking about on my podcast is I, I have people of every type of faith or no faith that listen and they find it intriguing because I want to just give people a fly on the wall aspect, a perspective of what my life is about. And that's what my life is about. So, um, it's really encouraging when I find people of, of different belief systems kind of coming together under one thought there that, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, we all need to kind of do that and get centered and, and, mm-hmm. and find balance. I'm one with the foals and the foals is, <laughs> you know. I was going to say, it's, it's very Jedi adjacent for I, sure. I try. Yeah. I yeah. try. Same. <laughs> all right. We're speaking of we're mindful of your time right now. Oh, well, uh, you know, come on. So yeah, yeah, no, but uh, we have we have some Star Wars things too, though, right? We have to. Yes, we do. Yep. Some, yeah. yeah. Okay. I love you. I know. An abbreviated "I love you, I know" session here with <laughs> James Arnold Taylor. We asked him to choose his top three Star Wars moments of all time. No pressure. Oh man! <laughs> you can speak as much or as little about each of these as you want, but if you start from number three and count down to one. That would be great. Well, okay. Um, one of my favorites, and we'll, we'll, say, we'll, we'll call this number three, I guess, then, is uh, one of the ones that really secured my position as the voice of Obi-Wan, and that is uh, recreating the scene from Revenge of the Sith after the big battle between Anakin and Obi-Wan, you know. You are the chosen one who has said you would destroy the Sith, not join them. Bring balance to the Force, not leave it in darkness. You're my brother, Anakin. I loved you. That moment, uh, oh, very man. powerful. And I, I was so fortunate. I got to see it before most people on the planet got to because we were making the Revenge of the Sith video game at the time, and um, it mirrored the film. And uh, so they... They brought this laptop in that was basically handcuffed to uh, David Collins, who was the director. and The new codes. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and it was all blue screen, just Ewan on a blue screen shouting these lines out. And they said, well. so you're going to do this scene and we need it to recreate this scene. And, and you know, ever since, you know, the beginning, I was just kind of talking like this. And so it was like, would you be able to do what he does because when he gets big and loud, you know, come to your senses. What would Padme do if she were in your position? He gets that kind of gr- rasp and gravel to his voice. And, and so I was able to duplicate that. And that's when they really kind of said, uh, this guy's our guy. But it's also, I think, one of the most important 
scenes in Star Wars. It's one of the things we all kind of want to say to Anakin, yeah. isn't it? Absolutely. You know, it's like, For sure. come on, dude, really? <laughs> you know? So uh, I love that moment, um, and it's painful, but I love it as well. And we, we got to kind of recreate it for a, a moment in the Mortis arc on Clone mm-hmm. Wars. You know, you are my brother, Anakin, I got to say. And so um, that was cool. But uh, So that, that one's definitely one of them. Uh, gosh, there's so many moments uh, I, I love, well, you know, speaking of, we were talking to Frank Oz and Frank is a, a dear friend. I was actually just earlier today, I was interviewing his wife, Victoria LeBaum, who has a new book coming out. And, uh, we were talking about the book and Frank, and we were talking about Star Wars and stuff too, because you can't help it. But, um, I love those moments where we don't know for sure if Yoda is Yoda. And see, again, when I was a kid and I saw Empire, I saw it, you know, fresh. And so, you know, Vader, I am your father, all that. That was like, what? You know, kids now may watch, you know, one, two, three into those. And it's obvious. But um, when Yoda is, you know, feel like what? (laughs) You know, and he's he's going through Luke's stuff and he's just a jerk, you know? I love that. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because... It's the perfect uh, Kurosawa. It's the perfect kind of, you know, spinning things around. You don't know. And it's just, it, I, 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 these are, I'm going to cheat a little. Put that together with after Dooku and Yoda fight and he then grabs his cane and then goes back to the little limp. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's that trickery of that character. I think that that's, um, it's lost, I think, a lot of times. I don't think a lot of people really fully take that in. I've so specifically referenced that on the show when we talk about our favorite stuff. Really? For, for me, Yoda is my favorite character in Star Wars. Yeah. Um, sort of been a shaman for me through my life, uh-huh. you know. And uh, it's funny you referenced that, the kind of goofy being a jerk version of Yoda because for me— one of my all-time favorite moments in Star Wars is shortly after that, mm-hmm. and it makes every hair on my body stand up when I think about the voice acting and the voice work yeah. that Frank does when he goes from, mm, take you to him from there <laughs> yeah. to, I cannot train that. You know? Yeah. Dude. The turn. Yeah. Just absolutely mind-blowing. I mean, to think about, to hear it, to it just that that transformation has always been one of the most standout moments on par for me with uh, No, I Am Your Father. Yeah. Um, so it's really cool that you referenced that specific aspect of Yoda because I, I also, I love that. Oh, good. Yeah, and I, I love that too. And it really is the brilliance of it. And, you know, again, growing up with Star Wars uh, in a, a different generation um, than a lot of kids are now, you never for a second thought this is a puppet or this mm-hmm. is, you know, mm-hmm. you just, that's Yoda. Right. And, um He's such an important character, but he's he's really, I think he's also the voice of what George always wanted to say in his films in general. You know, he got to say through Yoda. And I think that's why that's important, too. Um, so, yeah. yeah, that's great. Man, okay, so, and then another one. Um, gosh, there's so many. That's so hard uh, to <laughs> narrow it down to three. But um, <laughs> I, I think when I first, as a kid, realized the power of filmmaking and storytelling with music is uh, Return of the Jedi, when all those battles are going on at once and you cut back and forth, you know, that music, and it's like, mm-hmm. yeah, it's so powerful. So it's not necessarily like 
a moment. It's it's that whole kind of ending there. You got mm-hmm. Lando and them going for there. You got, you know, uh, Han and Leia on the planet. You got Luke uh, with the Emperor, which really is what makes you realize that full circle. And then they're watching the battle from there. That was brilliant filmmaking. And that, I mean, it's just like, and so many films now from Avengers to whatever build on that. But oh, it was yeah, the absolutely. first one to really kind of do it that way, where as as a kid, I got, you know, the hair standing up on the back of my neck, you know, just going, oh my, this is, this is insane. This, the, the yeah. power of the music and the storytelling and everything in life moving a thousand miles an hour at once. And where is it heading? It's a meteor that's about to crash. And yet somehow there's a beautiful ending to it. That to me was a really powerful part of storytelling that I had not seen uh, before that. And so that's definitely, I guess, one of my top moments. Speaking of, of the music, happy birthday, John Williams, oh, today. Oh, yeah. oh yeah. my gosh. At the time of this at recording. the time of recording this, it's his birthday today. Oh, wow. Legend. The maestro. Yeah. The well, maestro. <laughs> I, so how does his music affect you guys as oh, dude. rock and rollers, though, too? You know what uh, I mean? It's like people listen. don't realize how much of an impact classical music and, and composition has on our modern music. Is, is that accurate? Yeah. He's my favorite musician of all time. Wow. Hands down. And to me, he's George Lucas's equal in the creation of Star Wars. Yeah. And I think George would admit that. You know, I mean, he has so much pretty much said, you know. Well, the, the most classic story in, in, in that lane is this story that George tells about showing the film without the music to people. <laughs> and then, I mean, you're talking, you know, Coppola and Spielberg and yeah. everyone, and they're all just like, uh, weird, George. Good, yeah. <laughs> and, and then, then you just add, dun, 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 yeah. and their minds are blown, you yeah. know? And I, I, I talk, we talk about this a lot about George having just this brilliant mind as a producer. I mean, that's really his ability to put together the, 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 the parts into a whole. Um, yeah. You know, because you could talk about his writing and directing and the the varying opinions and, and degrees of sure. fandom yeah. all day long. But you cannot argue his ability to see a vision of, of this creation in his mind and make it reality, you know. Yeah, and he does that by going, I don't care if it's not normal. Trust me. We're going to have a huge symphony orchestra score classic like from straight out of the 30s yeah. in this space opera. And it's going to crush and everyone's going, you're crazy. No, it's no, it's not. <laughs> Kids are going to hate that. Yeah. It's disco time, bro. And <laughs> look what happened. I mean, look how far yeah, it's carried. What if they hadn't? You know, you can't even imagine. We wouldn't we wouldn't be here right now. No. It's Absolutely not. That world changing for sure. Yeah, it's fast. It's fascinating. It's fantastic. That's one brilliant thing about George Lucas. It's what he did with uh, Clone Wars as well, is bringing in Dave Filoni and Joel Aaron and all these wonderfully creative people, and working with them daily, teaching them what he knew, but also allowing them the freedom to take and create something new and to mm-hmm. be able to be honest with him. Uh, and he did it. You know, the thing a lot of people don't know is that Clone Wars, we worked on it for a year and a half, two years before it ever was seen. And that's because he had the money. (laughs) It was just like, let's just make this and we'll worry about where it goes later. And it really benefited us, you know. And and so by the time the show was out, 
we had learned so much. So by the time you get to like season two of the Clone Wars, you go, oh, now, mm-hmm. now they've hit it. And by season three, it's like, wow, this is unlike anything I've ever seen in Star Wars. Absolutely. Yeah. I, th- I think three is where it really kicks into high gear. Yeah, me and too. Is no longer, a, 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 for lack of a better word, a cartoon for kids. It becomes, it enters the realm of people, you know, like us in our late 30s, early 40s, whenever we were watching the show, going, this is just, this is Star Wars. Yeah, you know, this exactly. Is- I, I agree. So, yeah, and that's really thanks to George Lucas. I'll uh, tell you this one last little uh, story of we were, uh, Ashley and Catherine Tabor, who's Padme Amidala, and myself were up at the ranch, uh, oh, gosh, about a year and a half, two years ago now. And it was the last time we were up there for a special screening of three episodes of Clone Wars. And Dave Filoni and George then were interviewed by our good friend David Collins at the end of it. And George was going on about movies that he likes and Planet of the Apes. And he really loved the Planet of the Apes, the newer ones, which I really enjoyed as well. I thought they were great. But he was talking about the beauty of how, you know, the technology has allowed us to be able to now have these apes that were completely, you know, computer generated, completely believable. Mm -hmm. And, you know, obviously actors were acting them and, you know, wearing all the stuff, but, you know, then they were animated over. But he was saying it's so great with this technology and where it goes now. And I... Afterwards, we were all talking in this little circle, which is also a weird thing to be able to say, to be an actor to <laughs> say that. And I had my little nerd out moment with him because, you know, I've, I've talked to him through the years and such. And But I said, George, you have to – it's weird you say that so humbly in that you don't realize – Hold on. Can I – I'm so sorry to interrupt you, but can you tell the story about George saying the name George in Marty McFly's voice, please? <laughs> <laughs> George, George, whoa. Come on. It's not going to be like that, okay? Dad, dad, daddy-o. Daddy-o. Um, uh, <laughs> and and I, I, I said, you don't realize that we wouldn't have all of that if it wasn't for you, mm-hmm. you know? It's like he's completely oblivious to the fact that – it's really thanks to what he did and the envelopes he pushed in saying, well, I don't know how much it's going to cost. Let's just do it. Because mm-hmm. he did that with Clone Wars. He did that with every film. And now we have all these other movies and all this technology because he said, well, what if Yoda was completely CG? You know, what if Jar Jar yeah. was, you know, and here we are. And so, yeah. and he was still oblivious to it. Like, yeah, okay, <laughs> whatever. You know, yeah. <laughs> it's just, he doesn't see it, but that's the brilliance of him. So, yeah. One really quick thing, and we'll, we'll get onto this lightning round and set you free. <laughs> you mentioned being in the booth and technology and Planet of the Apes specifically. That, to me, that was a turning point for performance capture. Yeah. Facial performance capture. Yeah. I think it would be amazing one day, and maybe you've heard of rumblings of this, of voice actors actually having facial capture setups as well to then use that as a foundation for animation, a lot like they did in season seven with, you know, the fight with Maul. That was performance yeah. capture. Yeah. I'd love to see you talk about making faces and really bringing that to your voice, but it'd be cool if that translated to the characters as well. Yeah, they do a little. What the, So there, whenever we did uh, episodes, they always had little video cameras on us. And so whenever you see Obi-Wan kind of, you know, put his hand on his chin and stroke his beard a little, I, w- I usually was doing those things <laughs> nice. or crossing my arms. And Matt, as Anakin, always kind of crossed his arms and, well, you know, master, you know, and he would do those things. And, and, uh, so they did pull some of it, but it wasn't a traditional 
facial recognition and capture like you're talking about. I've done a few things through the years that have hinted around at that. And I did one movie, it was a terrible movie, but um, but the uh, whole film was done that way where I read into a teleprompter and looked straight into the camera and they captured all of my facial things. But it's not done enough. And I, I yeah. agree with you. I think it'd be wonderful. They are, you know, adapting it to a degree. But yeah, yeah, we always had cameras on us just to catch those little moments for the artists. But the artists would basically then draw it. They Reference, wouldn't, yeah. They didn't have software to, you know, digitize what we actually did. But right. yeah, so yeah, I, I agree with you. I think it'd be wonderful. Well, let's, um, let's move into the next segment. And Can we invite Obi-Wan into the room for a few questions? If that's yeah, right. is he busy right now? Can we talk to him? <laughs> Hello there. Hello there. Hello there once again, yes. <laughs> yes, you have questions for me? We it? do. It's a yes. lightning round. It, oh, it lightning. will be brief and you can get back to business. Jedi business. Oh, it's, it's not a light speed round. <laughs> it's up to you. We can make the jump if you like. I don't like flying. You know that, so. <laughs> the major weapons test is imminent. <laughs> test made 94. You may fly when ready. Okay. We have either or favorite things and would you rather. Yes. First, and this will be a word choice, correct nomenclature, in your opinion. Okay. Lightsaber or laser sword? Oh. I would say lightsaber. Laser sword is, um, well, it's, it's interesting and it's a good description, but I think lightsaber is more of the traditional name for a Jedi. More civilized. Yes. Definitely more civilized. <laughs> Favorite Jedi Council member? Well, Jedi Master Plo Koon, of course. Close friend. He's always there for a good joke. And he does, <laughs> he actually does quite good impressions with that little mask on. In fact, I'm working on a Plo Koon impression. Would you like to hear it? I'd love to. Please. Okay, <laughs> of course. Yes, let, me, let me see. I'll get my cup here. Koto Ya. Yes, the force is strong here. Thank the maker. What do you think? It sounds a bit like him, doesn't it? It's close. It'll it's do for now. <laughs> Workshop oh. it a little bit. Oh, yes. <laughs> Sorry. Final item in this lightning round. You have two choices, neither of which are great. Mm. They both have the, their caveats, both have their downsides. Oh. You can resurrect one person, but the circumstances are not great in which you continue your life with that one person. Oh. You could either resurrect Satine... Yes. But you have to spend the rest of your lives together on Mustafar eating barbecue on the shores, on the lava shores. Oh. Or. <laughs> it's not those limbs that were taken off of Anakin on it. Uh, legs only. It's dark meat only. No. <laughs> or resurrect Anakin, but the two of you spend the rest of your lives as waste management workers in the dump where Maul lives with his spider legs. Well, I, I think it's easy. I would. I would uh, much rather be with Satine <laughs> on Mustafar. Good choice. Yes. Anakin goes on and on, <laughs> always whining about this, that, or the other. You know, Satine might ask me to shave my beard, but, you know, that's not too bad. And the barbecue is quite good on Mustafar. <laughs> Most people don't think it is, but it is quite good. And you like it Cajun style, right? You like your meat charred. Cajun, right. yes. I like that, yes. A little kick to it. Yeah. Especially those legs have a little kick to it. You see what I did yeah. there? Yeah. I brought it back, full circle. Thank you, Master uh, Kenobi. Yes. All right, is James, is he around? Yes, let me, let me go get James, yes. James? Yeah. You're wanted on the show. 
All right, do you answer the question? Yes, uh, it was quite fun. Okay, all right, good, all right. Okay, so anyways, yeah. He's off to, I don't know. He was pretty cool. He's, he's not bad. Cool. He's, he's a pretty cool. Guy. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for letting us chat with him. So nice of him. He's so busy these days. He's very busy, yes. He's watching after Luke or something. something I don't like that. Know. <laughs> all right, well, thank you again so much for spending time with us. I know you're a busy dude. We talked a little bit about your podcast. Do you want to plug that real quick and anything else you have going on that you want listeners to check out? Oh, well, that's very kind. Yeah, so season three of my podcast, Talking to Myself, will be coming out soon. I've taken a little break. I've, uh, you know, through the holidays and everything, and and now I'm getting a little more back to normal. I'm building a new studio, and so that's kind of fun. And so I'll be putting some more stuff, because I have a YouTube channel. I usually put a lot of stuff out on it, so I haven't been doing a lot lately, but I will be coming back soon with some more content there and uh, and then the podcast and other things. And there's a new Ratchet and Clank game coming out, which I'm excited about, and we're still recording all of that, but uh, I'm the voice of Ratchet for people that may not know that. And uh, so, yeah, and there's, there's always fun places to find my voice. That's the trick you get to play. My daughter likes to play that. Where's, where's dad's voice? And so, yeah. Cool. Yeah. But in fact, in fact, uh, on Netflix, there's a film called Animal Crackers that my daughter and I are actually in together. Oh, wow. Oh, that's awesome. And she plays Mackenzie, who is the, the main little girl in it. And she's the daughter of John Krasinski and Emily Blunt in that film. And I play her great uncle who owns the circus. That's great. That's amazing. And I'm Buffalo Bob. But yeah, it's Animal Crackers. And it uh, was created by a good friend of mine, Scott Christian Sava. And it's uh, a lot of fun. It came out in July on Netflix. And uh, yeah, I hope people would check that out because it's, it's a pretty cool film. Fun family movie with a great soundtrack. Everything from Queen to uh, Howard Jones, Huey Lewis. Uh, I got to hang with Huey, which was great. Um, nice. And he's always been one of my favorites. And uh, so, yeah, so uh, a fun film. So Animal Crackers. I hope people would check that out. And you can always just go to jamesarnoldtaylor.com and you can find links to my Instagram and my Twitter and all that jazz, my YouTube channel. Uh, I have art that I do as well and all sorts of fun things. But And a book, Jat365. It's a, it's a 365 daily inspirations for the pursuit of your dreams. So it's a way to inspire people. So that's available on Amazon.com. Shameless plugs for you there. Yes. <laughs> no, man. We try to pride this show on spreading positive energy into the world. That's awesome. Into the Star Wars fandom specifically, obviously. Um, we're yeah. here because we love Star Wars, not because we want to tear it apart. Yeah. You know, it, <laughs> I love that. I appreciate that. It's our passion for it that brings us here. So uh, your energy is contagious, man. It's great. Well, guys, I so appreciate it. I, I love the show and I uh, will now tell everybody they must listen. And then maybe what we'll do is we'll do a crossover. We'll get you on my podcast talking about your podcast and then we'll see if we get, you know, some cross-pollination going on in the fold. Yeah, so That would be awesome. If you want to support the podcast, you can go to patreon.com slash thankthemakerpod. We also have merch for sale at thankthemakermerch.com. And if you're looking for the podcast on social media, you can find us on Instagram at thankthemakerpod, on Twitter at thankthemaker. All of my personal stuff is at Adam the Skull. My webs are at William Ryan Key. Please, I'm begging you, please follow me on Instagram and Twitter <laughs> at Nick <Bates. laughs> <laughs> James, thanks again for being here. Everyone, thank you for listening. And until next time, Master Kenobi, if you don't mind. May the force be with you. <laughs> okay. We'll talk to you later. Thanks. Right, bye-bye.